0: Hey, I'm JR. And I'm Mike from the 18 over par with Mike and JR podcast. Welcome to season two of the podcast, where we'll continue exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. Lots of beer.
1: Lots of beer, JR.
2: It's the
3: 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you dug ass
0: Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and Jr. proudly presented by Bryce Matlasiewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. I'm junior he's Mike, and today... We're joined by Brad Curtin, who won Manitoba Men's Golfer of the Year honors in 2007 and 2008, where he won both the Amateur and Mid-Am. He's also a former Match Play and PGA of Manitoba champion. All right, uh, really uh, excited to bring this guy in. Uh, I, I don't know if we want to say legend. That might be dating him uh, too much, so we we won't we won't say that. Uh, but this guy is actually pretty darn close to being legend, and that is Bryce Matt who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at two zero four five one five three four four six. You can also find his info in our show notes. And uh, Brad Brad Curtin, can we call you Curtin, Mister Curtin, Brad? Does it matter? Well, just
2: curtsy. That's curtsy.
0: fine with me. All right. Yeah. Curtsy, we're going to hook you up with a custom eight inch DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and the newly renovated DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. And we want to give a nice little shout out too, to Osborne Construction. Good old Jakey boy, who we Mike and I kind of grew up with. Uh, well, I'll, I guess we could say even uh, Teddy Watoch as well. He mentioned your name. I know Wilkie's mentioned your name before uh, as well. So a uh, shout out to those guys. But uh, I think Jake Osborne, there at Osborne Construction, was like, "Hey, this guy tells all these awesome golf stories. You should have him on the pod." I'm like, "Hey, we've heard this guy's name before. Let's get him on the pod." So Jake, thanks so much, man. We'll uh, have to get you in the fam some dilly bars from uh, DQ. But hey, let's get into the golf chat. So, curtsy. How did you get into this wonderful game of golf?
2: Uh, well, I was kind of brought up to a golfing family with my grandpa Coleman, grandpa uh, Cl- grandpa and grandma Coleman. Um, my father played a bit, and my uncle is a Hall of Fame member by the name of Gary Coleman. So I kind of got the genes in me to play golf at an early age. I think I had a club in my hands at my grandparents' cottage, my grandma and grandpa curtains, at probably at the age of two. I was probably still in cloth diapers, so now I'm dating myself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, I just hit the ball around the yard, and I just developed a love for it. And then uh, what really was fun when my dad would take me to what is now sort of the East End Eagles uh, football facility, there used to be this one mound right there, and there was a garbage can. And every time I got in the garbage can, it was just... It was a hole in one and I didn't know what a hole in one was. It was just fun. <laughs> it was time with dad and it was absolutely awesome. And from there, the game just grew on me and just loved being out there with the guys, cutting each other up, trying to beat other juniors for golf balls, whether it be a professional tour blada, because that was your next day's round of golf right there. If you want golf ball, so
0: <laughs> Did you get a membership or did your parents get you a junior membership anywhere?
2: I was a member. I can't remember when at Rossmere um, to begin with. Um, it was a great course. There was a lot of great people. Uh, a lot of people that really helped me out, coaching me, playing with the older guys, playing with the pros, seeing what you know. How Craig Hero, Scott Parker, Steve Wood, Tom uh, Tom Betts. Uh, rest in peace, both uh, Craig and Tom. Uh, but they put a junior clinic on and it was so much fun. It was you uh there's also someone else that was very influential uh was Al Algate. He was like he taught me the rules of golf. Like basically sit down for half an hour and teach you some rules between yellow hazards and yet you know, red hazards and stuff like that. Still I don't know if I figured it all out. I <laughs> we still have a book no, yeah. in my bag until I stopped <laughs> playing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's just a lot of great people. And uh, my grandparents were members there. My uncle was a member there. Um, So I had a lot of people that really supported me and pushed me in the right direction on how to play golf. And, you know, maybe I didn't always act a certain proper way on the golf course, but uh, I tried to represent the game and the gentleman's way of playing the game of golf.
0: Do you remember what your first set of clubs was, or do you remember what you first had in, in your bag?
2: Uh, well, the first one I still have that I'm looking at it right now is my first driver is a two wood persimmon. I think it's got five different screws in the face. It's been repaired a few times. Um, I still swing it in my apartment here. But my first real set, my grandparents brought me back. Uh, pay, uh, nine, five, nine, seven, five and uh, driver Wilson from Hawaii and it was the first though I actually have a new golf bag that looks like that first set of golf clubs golf bag so it it really put like holy crap I have a full set of my own I treated them like they were gold the grooves are clean it was something that really helped me propel like hey this is fun I can just learn how to hit these golf clubs but yeah it was really a great surprise when they came back from their trip and didn't forget all of me <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't it nice when they don't forget about you, eh?
2: <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen in my golf career.
0: <laughs> and at that time, were, were you at the golf course like every day? Were you like a, a golf or what we would call it a gym rat or a golf rat?
2: Yeah, I think the terminology in golf is a range rat. Mm. I just loved hitting golf balls and just being outside and being with the guys. It was just a, you know, it didn't seem... Like, it was extraordinary for me to be at the golf course. Like, ride my bike every day from school, have a couple of shirts in the junior locker room at Rossmere and just go and play golf all day. Uh, when I was really young, my dad would come and pick me up, and I, like, wouldn't want to stop putting, so he'd just turn the headlights on through the fence at Rossmere so I could putt for 15 minutes as he did some paperwork for work. And uh, it was, those are the things that just... When you make a double, when you're a competitive golfer, just like, ah, not that big of a deal, you know,
3: <laughs>
2: you're still having fun, aren't you? Or why are you out here?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Well, I used to remember there were some men's nights at Assiniboine and was for the OLFP, the one long fucking putt, and you had to win the pot. And so it'd be outside and yeah, that's what would happen. We'd take the floodlights or someone would physically take a vehicle out there and turn the lights so you could see because, you know, men's night would end and it would be 10 o'clock at night. And of course it's pitch black and you've been playing golf for an hour in the dark. And, but you still needed to see the whole. To get the OLFP and then there was another night where there was fireworks and there was a helicopter that came over. There's a bunch of shit that went down there. But stuff. You didn't get the invite. You guys set it up in the
2: Cinnaboy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> there is some interesting stuff going on there uh back in uh, back in the day. But uh moving forward well, Mike, do you have anything on on uh, Brad's junior career?
1: I don't know. The internet was scrubbed of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there was a, yeah, the dead zone from uh, up until about I don't know two thousand seven, two thousand seven, two thousand eight seemed to be a pretty big year for you. And I know Mike's got the print. Or that is that the actual newspaper clipping, or is that a uh, it was from the uh,
1: it was from the Gulf Manitoba Journal of two thousand eight. So uh, I guess the year before you had won just a few. Uh, championships <laughs> so i i had printed it out so I, i'm not gonna read the three pages on uh, on the pod here but maybe we can link it up and then the listeners can uh can look it up for themselves but yeah uh geez where do you where do you begin jr uh
0: um, well just untouchable like did you feel untouchable in 2007 and 2008 because you won everything
2: uh yeah it kind of like i kind of like to take it back to the Years that were scrubbed from the internet. uh, (laughs) Sure. Because those were the years that made me the golfer to be able to do that. Like uh, we've had Ryan Horn, you've had Adam Spears, uh, like other Pete Moore, Wilkie. There's so many other great names uh, that I'm probably forgetting, but uh, playing with uh, Steve Crampton, Kevin Coddick, and Pete Moore every day and trying to beat each other's brains out was just, it sort of prepared you for, like, okay, this is, like, fun. And we're all being buddies after, even though I kick his ass by five or whatever. It's like, tomorrow he's going to kick my ass by six or Mm -hmm. something like that, right? So we probably played all of our best rounds ever when we were really young with each other, and it was fun to see that. Um, But... Coming up, like uh, I believe it was, uh, I won the juvenile title in oh, Jesus, ninety-seven, I think. I believe, and so uh, pre-internet, lost... pre-app, yeah, <laughs> pre-internet, pre-cell phones, you know, <laughs> still had the party line on their landline. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And I lost in a playoff to Steve Bucko, and that was kind of the, like, all right. And that's when I kind of started putting pressure on myself to really get better and playing on all the Manitoba-Minnesota matches teams and traveling and meeting all the guys in the junior Monday putter team, seeing guys from all over and playing against them and playing with them and learning from how they did it, like Jordan Krantz, Ryan Horn, uh, like I said, uh, Kramer, Kodick. Petey, um, so many Brian Cornelison, uh, Mike Keast, just, just they go on and on. Like how many great juniors we had back then was the re- really competitive nature when we would play in Monday putter and play against you know members that, that are the best of the club and that kind of propelled me to push me to go and see you know do I want to play hockey or do I want to play golf and being a hundred and sixty pound five foot six guy on Will Nathan Derby, so I kinda of figured it out pretty quick.
1: <laughs> but before you we move on from that, were you were you playing some decent hockey at the time?
2: Uh, yeah, like when I was a junior I would play I'd go and play hockey. I highest level like I got was double A with the Marauders. Um, but still to this day there's nothing more than I love than getting in that dressing room and just shooting the shit with the guys and you know, cutting each other up and and then going out and having a few beers and, you know, doing the same thing you did before the game, after the game and hearing all their stories. Because now I play with guys that are 17 to 70. So you hear a lot of eclectic stories from a lot of different eras and it's kind of eye-opening sometimes of, yeah, you know, so but still love strapping them on. I got my gosh yeah, so my gears right beside me here. It never goes away. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you ever clean it? <laughs>
2: oh yeah. It gets clean, it gets ozone treated three times a year. I is no not. Socks, So those skates need some treatment every three, four oh, months. Oh
1: yeah. No sockers. That could be uh, that can be tough on the on the life of the skates, that's for sure. Those those rivets will rust out once a year. <laughs> I got all
2: copper put in for that reason. So.
1: Oh, nice. Gold, gold rivets. Well, those might not hold <laughs> <Yeah. pulled> up <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. So you're, you're, what are you? at this point you're probably in your, your, your high school years or just coming out of a high school Are you, you know, at that time, you know, is there a, are you, how are you competing in golf? You're playing some of these amateur events as a, as a young adult. I would say.
2: Uh, yeah, I was basically trying to just beat Skinny and, you know, try and pursue to have as many titles as he did. Because basically he was the guy that really pushed me. Obviously my dad was my main driver and don't forget my mom. She was my caddy. Teddy will tell you she, he was my best caddy. My mom was my
1: best <laughs> caddy. But, uh, Teddy did bring that up. Yeah. 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 He wanted
0: to ask uh, how come uh, your, your wallet stayed the same weight after he caddied for you.
1: Okay. We'll a little go, loose okay. on
0: the tips. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so the story is we're playing Bell Acres. It's pour, basically pouring rain. I'm happy to have him out there. And uh, so we suit up and we go out there. I'm like, okay, hey, Teddy, we're rounding nine. I'm like there you go. Like, here's my debit card. Go buy whatever you want. And he comes back and has my debit card. I'm like, well, what'd you spend? He's like, I bought my own. I was like, <laughs> this guy's a keeper. <laughs> He's buying my own beer. He might even drive me home.
3: Well he did get...
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So he didn't, he didn't get you a beer. He just got himself one. Is that what I hear?
2: Oh, it was a, the assistant championship, so you know, okay, I got my it. eye on the prize and beat Scott Borso. Oh, well, that's
1: fair. Yeah, he has to stay Great level. He has to stay calm to to keep you calm. Keep there you go. Exactly.
2: Eye on the prize. help, me help you <laughs> exactly. What a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beauty. Yeah, lifelong friend. Absolutely.
0: So was your uh, mom on the bag then in two thousand seven
2: and two thousand eight? Uh, yeah, for the amateurs, she was. Uh, and I can't. Re- I think I puffed it myself in the match play. I can't remember there, because usually in the my mom would caddy for me in the amateurs, and then Scotty Low and for the mid-amateurs. So I had my best friend and my mom. So like, how can you really get too mad and look like a buffoon or a muppet? And I like, there was one I made a double. I think uh Links of the Lake. And uh my mom's just like pointing out different kinds of trees, like, this is that kind of tree, this is that kind of tree. (laughs) Mom, I'm trying to get this thing closed out here. And then she falls with, Do you want a frozen face cloth? It's like 30 above. I'm like, all right, let's go make a couple more birdies. Like
1: (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And it said maybe uh, the article had mentioned Gary Coleman. You, you said your uncle there, three-time amp- amateur champion. He, he did some caddying for you too?
2: Yeah, he was around to help me win my first ever amateur, which was a major accomplishment for me. It was, okay, I can do this. And to beat Matt Johnson, who I lost to the previous year at St. Charles, uh, Skinny was the voice of reason. He's been there. He's done everything. Wellington Cups, you know, Matova, uh, North Dakota matches, amateurs, all that. So he was really a great guy to lean on. And there was one, I believe it was 16 in the final round. And I completely went right under this chip shot from the long grass. And I just looked at him. He just looked at me and just like, so, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I just tipped it on, made five, and then ended up uh, that kind of put it in perspective. And I think I hit four iron on eighteen. I think I was up near Matt Johnson's driver because I was so amped up and trying to take the water out of play. But he just would be in the hotel room because we all stayed there. Uh, most of the uh, like Mancini, Ty Mancini, another good friend great golfer uh, Scotty low and all those guys would we'd stay out there and it was just like a big golf family and uh he would just like keep everyone at ease like it's not that big of a deal you're here to have fun if you win you win but be everyone's ass like you want to win and mm-hmm. he would play pranks on everyone uh mm-hmm. he got Scotty low once one night when he was going to bed he took a like a giant bag of Doritos, crushed them all up and remade his bed with the Doritos in there. <laughs> <laughs> and Scotty gets into bed and he's like, What the hell? And he's uh, just like he told us the next day. It was just like some of the greatest stories of like that's a, just hang with the boys, have fun and
0: that's a cheesy prank. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, dad jokes. We take a quick break to hear from Bryce Matliszewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. So, Bryce, could you let us know what the difference is between a RRSP versus a TFSA?
3: Yeah there's a lot of confusion with these two tools they're both great but uh, in a lot of instances they're they're, they're very opposite of each other uh, with a TFSA you're dealing with post tax money uh, meaning you won't get a tax break when you make the initial contribution but on, on that token you won't be taxed on any gains that happen inside that tax free savings account an RSP on, on the other hand uh, you're dealing with pre tax money you do get a tax break uh, when you make that contribution and uh, however All of the withdrawals that you make will be taxed in the future. So uh, you can grow tax-free in the meantime inside of that uh, structure, but inevitably have to pay taxes to CRA when you draw down that account.
0: Is there a recommendation if you're a newbie investor or someone that's new into wealth management that you suggest to go in one lane or the other, or do you try and do both at the same time?
3: For most young people, a tax-free savings account is probably going to be the tool that you're going to want to maximize first. Uh, The reason for that is most younger people have a lower income or they're going to anticipate having a higher income in the future. So you want to contribute to a tax-free savings account when your income is lower or you anticipate your income is going to be higher in the future. At that same token, you're going to want to save your RSP room uh, until you're in a higher tax bracket. That way, when you are making contributions, it helps offset that higher tax that you're paying and uh, helps reduce your overall tax bill. That was Bryce
0: Maliszewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> just for the, just for the listeners, Jr. and Curtsy, let's, let's just run down this little bit of a, a, a stretch you had 2007, 2008. Yeah. Keep in mind, so, we only have
0: so much time there, Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so you got back to back Manitoba amateur champions, 2007, 2008, and then back to back Mid amateur champions, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and then Manitoba Match Play champion in two thousand eight. I mean, those are some those are some hefty tournaments. Uh, that's that's quite the deal. And I guess uh, my question was, how old do you got to play be to play in the mid am again,
0: Jr. Twenty five plus, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
2: Well, yeah. I caught the flack one year when I was at roster because it was the first year it went from forty to 25 to be the same Ooh. as the U S and I just kept responding with, Hey, I'm 25. It says 25. I'm playing a competitive tournament. I'm just trying to win golf. And, <laughs> and so I kind of had to be, uh, you know, dodging a few jabs by the older guys, like well, Mike okay. Walker, uh, you know, some of those, uh, guys, uh, like Mike Bernie. I saw I actually drove down, uh today and i saw him on the 13th hole in my work truck
0: and uh did you honk the horn at him in his backswing
2: no no i wouldn't do that to him you probably know it was me <laughs> he'd run after me in those old school knickers that he used to rock man he had true style <laughs> and then there was also like the obviously legend of manitoba garth, uh golf garth collins so him and i would he kind of would Give me shots and I'd have to like, okay, I can do this too. Yeah, we can do this. So
0: Yeah, Garth's one enough, I think. I think we can all say that he's won enough.
2: Oh yeah, he's kinda like Tom Brady in Manitoba, eh? Like (laughs) enough's enough, retire. He's like, I am retired. Well (laughs) stop playing competitively. Yeah. (laughs) Stay in Matlock and golf out there.
1: And then, uh, go ahead, JR.
0: Okay. Well, I was gonna kind of t- touch back to 2007 in that first uh, amateur win, because I'm assuming it was the amateur before the mid-am, or was it the other way around?
2: Yeah, I went the uh, match play, which I lost mm-hmm. in the finals for that. So I almost went uh, six in a row. I lost in the match play final, and that was kind of like a kick in the pants, like, hey, you better start working on your putting and stuff, but it went match play amateur and then uh, mid amateur. So yeah, you're right.
0: And after that kind of, you know, the, the first win after the the match play there, were you, was that sort of validation for all the work you put in as a, you know, as a junior and all the people that have kind of helped you in, in your career to that point?
2: Oh yeah. I, I of course my parents saw the printout and the paper clipping and stuff. And I literally said in the interview, uh, it might've been, Ken we, uh, but I said, like, this is a major accomplishment. I've been trying to do this, and now I think I was 25 at the time. So, like, I've been trying to do it for, like, since I was 15, right? Like, that's something that's the ultimate goal of any magical amateur golfer is to win the provincial title. And to have that first one was just a weight off my shoulders of, okay, you're out of your own way now. You know what winning feels like just go and play because you know your game's good enough if you make the right decisions at the right time. And it kind of just went from there. I didn't want to do basically anything else and be at the golf course and basically dedicated to see how good I could actually get at what I believe is the toughest game in the world. So,
0: Were you working at the time too or were you just working at a golf course at the time?
2: Oh, was, I believe I was uh, working at Golf Town a little bit right when it opened up uh, on the Greens Crew at uh, Pine Ridge, stuff like that, just always in the golf industry close to it. So it was just it was almost a lifestyle of, like golf all day, sleep, do it again. So.
0: What were you eating at that time? What was your diet like? <laughs> What's the secret?
2: <laughs> well, at Golf Town, it was like, walk to walmart and go to get mcdonald's and like (laughs) hot cakes and sauces but uh i smartened up later on and like once i saw a chiropractor then my golf game really took over and started eating better with you know lots more protein protein shakes supplements and um and then once i found hot yoga for those few years the body just you're in hot yoga. So you, you have to strain yourself and basically like riding a bike in a, in a steam room. You're like, okay, hold it. Just five more seconds and then you get the break. So it was like mental toughness and going to the gym and all that kind of helped pull everything together also. But a lot of chicken, a lot of rice and I'll never turn down a steak
0: were the guys chirping you a, a hell of a lot back then? Were they just waiting for uh, you to, you to stop winning?
2: Uh, no, because I was basically with my, like favorite friends in the world. So it was like, let's just go and play again. And we'd all travel together and play practice rounds. And, but there was basically like Liam Mulhall, Terry James. I think he was away maybe at school, dentistry school. Um, but uh like Todd Fanning was there, so it was kind of like, oh, that's who I grew up watching, like him, Rob, McMillan, you know, all those guys playing my uncle, Carl Leachman, some of the old school guys, Darcy Ferber was like, Yeah, he beat them and now he's like wishing me good luck. And so I like, must be doing something, right? So but uh yeah, some of the guys would cut me up, but most of the most of all it was Sky Lowe and Ty Nancy just Basically, the adult versions of junior golf—just trying to beat your buddies—and instead of playing for golf balls, you're playing for beers. So, hey,
0: amen. We like that. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, anyways, Mike?
1: Oh, I—I'm uh, drinking a Trans Canada Brewing uh, NEPA Intensify or something. I don't know. I got it. Uh shout out to Adam Walker, our uh, PGA correspondent, because I took it from him after our uh, recent golf tournament. So he probably doesn't even know I have it. And uh he won't ever find out.
0: Yeah, I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he doesn't listen. <laughs> or he doesn't listen. <laughs> Just
1: kidding. But uh yeah, beers are on, beers are on. Uh well I, I mean around that 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 time I saw that you were you had uh, qualified for the 2008 Players Cup, is that correct? Is that a result of winning the Manitoba Amateur, or how did you get into that? Yeah, it, th- there was two years here, but the first one was 2008 Players Cup, is
2: what I saw. I think that was the case with uh, either the Player of the Year or the Amateur Champion or something like that. That's how I got into the Players Cup that year, and I believe the. Been, no, that was a later year when I qualified. Uh, I believe I qualified twice or something like that for it.
1: So. Yeah, 2011 Players' Cup, you qualified as a as a first alternate, it said. And so it was a Monday qualifier. And uh, guess who won the Monday qualifier? Aaron Cockerell. He was 16 yeah. years old. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a stud right there. He's doing some great things with golf after his Idaho career. So,
1: yeah, yeah. So, and was that where was that uh, that second Players Cup? I guess it was always at Pine Ridge back then, hey?
2: Yeah, all the I might have played one at Elmhurst, but I believe that all of them that I played in were at Pine Ridge. Cut.
0: And having been on the there greens is. crew, did you tell him to cut the greens a certain way?
2: No, uh, Derek's in charge of his own house. I'm not going into this fridge without his permission.
0: Yeah, home field advantage. <laughs>
2: yeah, I played it enough. And so, as, you know, I call it the Augusta of the North. It's one of my favorite courses to play. And uh, it's it's beautiful in mid, mid-June, July. Uh, with all the flowers and everything, it just, it's there's probably no other better place to be especially with the people there
0: too. So. Was that to kind of give you the, the taste then for the professional life of, hey, maybe I can actually hang with these guys and become a professional?
2: Yeah, like uh, playing with those guys and then Canadian amateurs and playing with different guys from different provinces and uh, playing against guys like Graham Delette, Kent Eager, um, uh, Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, uh, Darren Wallace, Matt McClellan, there's like, just play with those guys and see how they do it. Uh, there's also, uh, oh, I went to, I remember it because we were at uh, Credit Valley. Uh, what was it? I think it was John Mills. He we went to Kent State and we were playing the uh, Canadian Am and he his two iron up with my driver. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Maybe Short game is something you should work on a little bit more if you want to hang with these guys. So, but the, the, those are the eye openers where you kind of, kind of fit your game to how you play. And so, but yeah, that kind of drove me seeing all those guys and, you know, Canadian juniors, Canadian Am's, Canadian mid Am's, stuff like that. That kind of, you know, this Dave Bunker, the mid Am, Garth Collins. Uh, like there's so many great mid Am's out there that, have been playing so well for so long and you just see how methodical they go about playing it and how easy they make it look. You're like, that kind of looks boring, but it looks fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did it end up being fun for you? Because when did you actually decide to turn pro? Was it after the 2008 year?
2: Yes. Yeah, I felt, I believe 2008, I was was in the University of Minnesota, with the golden Gophers for two years in the early two thousands. And then I believe I came back and uh, took a year off or two and then played for the Bisons. And, uh, we had a great, great team there. And, uh, so yeah, it was a little bit of, okay, you know, school always be there. You can always go back. Golf's a perishable skill. So let's go and pursue your dream. And that's, Basically, I didn't want any regrets. I wanted to go. And if you're good enough, you're good enough. And if you're not, at least you gave it your all. So no regrets on that part.
0: Was that something that you uh, you bankrolled yourself or were you out there, you know, getting sponsors?
2: Uh, well, it was a little bit of work construction. And uh, I'm very fortunate that my parents were helping me a lot with that. Um, not something that's, you know... It's great to have caring parents that believe uh, that their son is so capable at something they're willing to invest a lot of money for maybe no end assurance. So I'll forever be grateful to them. I, uh, I actually joke every Christmas, I'm like, I go, Dad, I'm sorry, I picked two most expensive sports. He's somewhat good at golf and
0: hockey. (laughs) I like the point "somewhat good" because, right? It's like you're just. (laughs) I'm just the money, but you're just not. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I just can't get you know to the other side of the lake or something like that. Um, But he comes back. He's like, he wanted to start out as goalie, so thanks for not doing that. (laughs) Because for my first two years of hockey, I was a goalie, and then. I just wanted to get out there and hit someone. So he was so happy as a football player and water polo guy that, you know, yeah, get out there and muck it up with some guys and see who you really are. So.
0: Well, that was kind of like the, to me, it seemed like the golden age of Manitoba golf. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like everyone, you mentioned, you know, Fanning and Collins and McMillan and some of those, you know, Staples, even Spears, um, all, everyone kind of came up, together and was very competitive almost at the same time so do you think that was probably instrumental in putting you to where you were in those you know two amazing years as an amateur and then eventually turning pro
2: it has basically the whole foundation other than what my grandfathers and uncle and my dad and my mom instilled in me on about how to play golf that was just like you just want to beat the guys so you don't have to hear the beaking on the patio or, you know, like, you know, oh, yeah? yeah, I want an amateur. Oh, I've got two. Like, it was just kind of like the back and forth or, you know, and uh, but the main thing, like I said, in the major accomplishment was to try and chase skinny. And it was once I did that, it was like he was so proud. I've only seen him cry three times my whole lifetime once in the golf hall of fame he's gonna kill me if he hears this (laughs) once when he got in the golf hall of fame when i saw the letter uh when i shot 64 at uh, elmhurst shoot 35 29 and basically when i won my first amateur it was everything of hard work pride joy just came out of both of us so
0: well, it's definitely a huge accomplishments uh, accomplishments, yeah, coming into those, you know, both of those years. And what then was there something that kind of clicked the switch of, all right, I'm gonna, you know, do this pro thing, see how long it lasts. And when you were there, did you notice the level of competition was just a little bit different than what you experienced back at home?
2: Oh yeah, it was polished. You could see how guys were more methodical. They took things a lot more direct and detailed and uh, just how they walked, acted, you know. Uh, I was always kind of like a little bit of the hot head, play a little bit better when you're angry, sort of like the hockey player mentality, like get after it, but do the do diligence before so you know you can do it when you get there. Like links to the lake when I defended my amateur uh, championship, I walked, I walked out my door at three in the morning to drive out there just to walk the golf course with a wedge and a putter just to get familiar. So I was there I, and that was my big thing. Feel like you're there and you belong there and you'll perform because it's not a shock and awe. you're not like, Oh, look at all these. Like, how am I going to be these guys? It was more, okay, you've done the work now. Let the world unravel itself and just swing the golf club and make good decisions.
0: Did you end up playing in Texas then for a little bit as as a pro? I think that uh, came up in in some of my Googling.
2: I did. I played the Tight Lies Tour uh, a little bit uh, in Houston, but before that, I was staying with another Manitoba legend named Ryan Horn. (laughs) We were renting two rooms out of another house of, uh, I believe his name was Charlie. Uh, Yeah, We were kind of running rampant around Red Rock, Texas, just a little suburb of Austin, and going to Shadow Glen every day and drinking Dr. Pepper and putting and trying to beat each other and playing in the winds of Texas. It's just no different than the winds of Manitoba. So it was kind of home away from home for a few months of the year. And that's where I kind of kept the winter stuff going to pursue the professional stuff when Q school came around and stuff like that.
1: What car were you guys driving at that time? I think Horton said he had like a Cavalier or some. I thought that was the,
0: the story. <laughs> eventually moved to a van or something like. that. Was it
1: that a van?
2: It was the Pontiac.
1: Yep.
2: <laughs> Fishing rods, air mattress, and a cooler. That was okay. That was, was the whip we were rolling. In. Yep.
1: Somebody else had a Cavalier named Sunfire. Anyways, yeah, I Pontiac apparently <laughs> had a
0: Sunfire. I'm pretty sure from uh, Taylor Made there when he was in Arizona. Okay, he, that's. He, he what drove was... his uh, not souped up Sunfire <laughs> down there.
2: Well, I, I just, I had the Sunfire four-door bolt I had a sick deck put in it because I was doing the Dakotas tour and just driving around and yeah.
0: Nice. I think that we nice. found the recipe then for, for good golfers. Cause the, the ones that we talked to is you generally have to have a, a shitty car with a good sound system. And that's, yeah. and that's about it.
2: <laughs> that's your reprieve from the mental of all the voices in your head for eight hours a day. Like, uh a turmoil of back and forth mental ping pong.
0: Yeah. So what was playing around there like? Because I guess you had been uh, going up against guys who play all year round.
2: Yeah, like on the Dakotas Tour, you mean? Yeah. Uh, a lot of local sticks running around their hometown playing like, Untucked shirt, some guys, and just, like, Mitch Max Club. is was way different than, like, Southern Tour Golf and some of the events I played in there. But uh, you still learn a lot, like, staying in hotel rooms are like, okay, maybe I should put, like, a sleeping bag down. And, you know, like, you're seeing some, like Horn said, you're trying to save as much money to produce the most profit to keep going to the next one, so, Yeah. Did you was, have to pay your free
0: fee at that time too? Like, did you actually have to, every tournament, you're like, okay, I got to put up this amount of money to just get in the field? Or did you have to qualify for certain things?
2: Uh, you had to kind of, if I remember correctly, I think you had to qualify for the Dakota Tour like the day before or something and then play, or then you had to make only really certain the guys you need to cut. Uh, you know, I, I probably. Would remember better had I had a little more success at it, but <laughs> <laughs> some things, uh, you know, get wiped out, which some golfers can't do. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun driving. Actually, when I came back, I went to the golf course to see Skinny and some of the guys at the roster and ended up I was ended up getting in a car accident. Uh, some big suburban basically used me as a ramp and uh, that, that was the end of the Sunfire <laughs> <laughs> and that sick deck that I had in there uh, That quite CDs that's how long it was save um, the deck save the deck yeah there you go <laughs> pull it out uh, take that take that front screen off and then go get it later uh, but I I had all my stuff in my car so I'm like pulling out like dozens of golf balls and probe Extra putter, extra driver, all the clothes—you know—just it looks like an absolute pro shop is beside my car. <laughs> and the firefighters pull up, and then I get a call from a f- old friend from uh, young hockey days, and he's like, "Were you in a car accident like a week ago?" I was like, "Yeah." But, hit by like an 84 Suburban with camel all over it. <laughs> couldn't he's see, like, it. couldn't yeah, see it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he couldn't see me. I don't know. Maybe the gold was flashing too bright in his eyes. Um, but uh, he's like, yeah, some of the guys at the hall said some guy who's got in the car accident pulled a pro shop out of his car. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was me. He's like, yeah, you know, a somewhat funny story at the hall. I'm like, perfect.
1: People are pulling over. And trying to buy stuff from you? You think it's a yard sale?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was right close to my parents' house where I was staying. So, like, okay, mom and dad. Then Skinny runs out after mom calls him. And then Skinny's running out and tells his buddy. So, they come. And then my neighbor was two cars behind me. So, I have five people, like, asking me, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then everyone, guy comes up and he's like, are you, like, a big deal? My god, dude, I'm having a sunfire. Like, not a Porsche, like GT3 here.
1: That's awesome.
0: Oh, that's yeah, that is incredible. (laughs) That is incredible. But hopefully, everything was salvaged from that aside from the car on the deck.
2: No, it was a total write off, and then I went down the road and to. Well, no, no free plugs, right? So I went down sure to the Velcro thing and, uh, uh, got a, a, new, went back to the Pontiac. It must have been something with Winnipeg golfers and Pontiacs, the horn, myself, <laughs> you know, uh, got myself another Pontiac and, uh, Pontiac G6. And that was what basically drove me around for my amateur career and stuff like that. So.
0: Were you making money when you were playing, uh, in the States? I think at one tournament, it looks like you, you maybe got uh, got pretty close there to to winning. Yeah, I think it
2: was like a $1,400 check or something like that. So, a few dollars, you know, yeah, definitely probably hit up Texas Roadhouse that night. and Had a few tall ones and a big steak, but <laughs> other than that, it was lunch meat, mac and cheese, and Powerade, so... <laughs>
1: Did you did you guys ever drive south from Houston down into Mexico or you didn't didn't cross the border there?
2: No, Stop, we stopped in Houston be telling the stories right now. If that would happen with more than myself.
0: <laughs> hey, but you both survived, so that's the that's the main thing, right?
2: <laughs> well, it's not what you did; it's that you did. It. You're still
0: here. <laughs> so, what was the the impetus then to come to come back? So, were you still playing those tours, and then you came back and you qualified for the 2011? Players Cup were, I believe, yeah, you made the cut in that one. I think it was a T45, and you, you made some money off that.
2: Yeah. Uh, I also lost some money on that because I had a deal <laughs> with Rob McMillan for a $5 bet on the final round of that, and that 5 bucks was really hard to handle over to Robin, So
0: <laughs> <laughs> But, it's,
2: but I, I also believe uh, that was when the Jets were announced they were coming back. Maybe that was earlier.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's the year. Yeah, it yeah, May, yeah. May 2011. And,
2: uh, yeah. So, uh, my buddies at the time, like PD, Dave Spur and stuff like that. So it's the final round. And I used to have, like, if they make a birdie on 16, then it's like dollar beers or something at Pine Ridge, with the big stands and stuff. And so I, like, uh, Good friend also back in the day, Mike Tibbs, who was a great member there. Um, we all kind of came up. I'm like, maybe I should like do like some Phoenix Open stuff, like throw on a Jets tarp and walk and play in the last three holes and have some fun and memorable. I'm not going to win. Let's have a memorable experience and laugh. And so Dave Spurs says, he's like, I've got a Mike Eagles 18 jersey. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>, like... <laughs> Could this be any more perfect of a tarp to wear on (laughs) 16 and hit a tee shot? (laughs) Yeah. So unfortunately it didn't make birdie, but I walked off and it was smoldering hot and I could not wait to get that tarp off. But it, the, the guy that I was playing with was laughing. He's like, Yeah, you're definitely a Winnipeg favorite. You're like, <laughs> You, you kind of get it. You're a hockey player that plays golf. Like, happy Gilmore. And he was, he was <laughs> like, I kind of had to ask him if this is okay. Like, he's making a living. Like, yeah. You know, I didn't learn that till like a little later, but hey, you know. So that's but it awesome. Was a, it was a five, that's one of my favorite pictures I have on my phone. It It's my screensaver because it's just a fun experience to be able to do something like that with maybe the subdued Phoenix open feel. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my questions. Was, I had read about the, the jersey, wearing the jersey, and it must have been hot. Like mid July or whatever that was, and uh, I couldn't imagine wearing a jersey in mid July and having to perform on a golf course.
2: I believe I made three parts. so i I'm happy with that. But uh, I'm also glad it was a white jersey and not a blue one, because that would have changed the whole game. Right, <laughs> that would have been a hot. That would have been one, two shots, and put this yeah. back in the bag nicely. <laughs>
1: And they also said uh, Johnny Taves hosted the tournament. Did you did you get to meet uh, Taser?
2: Uh, no, I didn't have the luxury of that. Um, but uh, so you see a lot of athletes and stuff when at Pine Ridge. And just around, like my youngest memory was meeting Ed Belfour. He stopped and signed my hat for me. And there's been a lot of cool people I've met throughout my experiences from golf, from, you know, Tom Kite. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, who else? Uh, Eddie Shack at a Minnesota event. Um, he told me a joke, a dirty, dirty joke <laughs> that I did not put on this podcast. But it was – he made me feel at home. Like, he had spikes in his cowboy boots, cowboy hat. He <laughs> had my dad in stitches. He was one of my dad's favorite hockey players. My Both my parents were there. And uh, I also – probably my most memorable meeting of uh, meeting a celebrity was uh, the luxury of meeting Bob Orr in Minnesota. He rounded the corner, I rounded the corner and I was like, I have to go and talk to this guy. And the reason was my mom played hockey growing up. She was a defenseman. She'd grown the picks off her skates. It, like she's played <laughs> hockey with the boys, like my dad, my uncles and just getting out there. And her favorite player was Bobby Orr. So I walked up to Bobby Orr. I'm like, Mr. Orr, it's a pleasure to meet you, but I think I have your biggest fan around the corner. Do you mind hanging out here for a minute? He's like, absolutely no problem, Brad. And I brought my mom and dad around the corner and my mom lost it. Full waterworks. My dad was just so like, <laughs> like, that's the best defenseman of all time. And being a hockey guy in a hockey family with my dad playing hockey also and coaching me uh, when I was growing up. But uh, that photo is some of the best memories I have of just a family moment that we'll never, ever forget. Uh, just like my first hockey game with my dad, which happened to be Boston Bruins at the old Winnipeg Arena. So, But uh, it's kind of funny the, in the picture, you can see my dad kind of, do the Caddyshack version of when Stacy Underall walks by the pool and all the bigger guys suck in. My dad's <laughs> chest just turned into Arnold. <laughs> and it's, uh, we laugh about it to this day. He's got it behind his home, home office desk there. And uh, yeah, it's some a lot of cool people that are really, really just the straight down-to-earth people. Uh, Glenn Sather, got to talk to him a little bit and see uh-huh. what, how a champion mind sort of thinks there and that was just from this one golf tournament and I there's many many more so but I regret never getting to meet Mo Norman that would have been a Canadian golfer's dream to have a five minute conversation with Mo Norman so.
0: yeah that's what uh, I think Sandy crusiba brought up Moe well it's hard not to bring up uh, Mo with, with golf in Manitoba and just that swing I think he was one of the, the pioneers of just hit the damn golf ball
2: yeah. Who cares what it looks like Just say it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Boring's fun.
0: <laughs> well, not that fun. No, it's, uh, it is. <laughs> I know Mike and I, we're, uh, we're struggling to uh, to have that sort of boring fun out there on the golf course, but we still enjoy the game. And of course, that's why we do uh, this sort of thing. And jumping back into the, the tour days uh, a bit, was there just a moment where you're like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore or I can't do this anymore?
2: Yeah, I kind of gave myself so much money in so many uh, years. And then it's like, if you're, if you give it your all and you can't do it, then it's a sign that you got to pick up on something else and go do something else and try and be the best or better that you were at that job or that profession than you were at golf. And at least you have a work ethic and the mindset that you're mentally tough and work through things on your own and, also do some team uh, things as well from hockey. So, but yeah, it was like five years, I think. And then it was, that's enough. And that's when I became a club pro at uh, the players course under Rob Gainsbard. Nice.
1: That was also scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> what,
2: <laughs> what, yeah. So what years are you on the players course? Uh, oh, all right. 13, I couldn't even tell you. 12, 13, I think. I spent two years there. Uh, one of the years, uh, I won the Manitoba PGA oh, at Elmhurst. Cool. So that was a lot, of, a lot of fun to bring that trophy back and have it sitting in the pro shop there and having all the the men's night and the ladies' night and all people ask. and It was pretty cool to have the top amateur title and the top professional title. So yeah, it was a really nice thing that said, okay, I can still do this, but I can do it on sort of more of a fun level and, you know, stuff like that. So.
0: Are you still considered a pro, like a professional now, or did you, you have to like renounce your card? I think Ryan Horn was talking about that. <laughs> he thinks, he's like, yeah, I think I have to pay a hundred bucks or something. And I can become an amateur again or something like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, C know, get you an amateur again, just for the paperwork, but I haven't filed that yet. Uh, I just play golf for fun now. My scorecard basically looks like emojis, happy face, <laughs> brownie face, and then a pile of brown stuff. So. <laughs> but there's always a smiling face, regardless of how I play, when the beer card pulls around the corner, it's like, all right, who's got this one? Let's have some fun. So.
0: Just don't give uh, Teddy at your card, that's all.
2: No, do it. He doesn't. He won't use it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap Caddy, Cheap, cat, cheap in all the right ways.
1: Where are you? Where are you playing out of right now? Elmy or Pinehurst or Pinehurst, uh, Pine Ridge? <laughs> Get well, those ones mixed up. Right?
2: You're in my head with my dreams. Pinehurst would be awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm reading your shirt right now because you got an Elmer shirt on.
2: Yeah, this is. Uh, I would love a Elmer with Elmhurst to some really good memories there. That's why I won the provincial uh, MPGA. Um, and, uh, but right now I really haven't been playing much, but I got back into it. I didn't pick up a club for probably three to four years. I just focused on working and trying to find something that entertains my mind and made me have joy getting up in the morning and going to, which now I do. Um, but uh, my buddy Pete, from uh, hockey who I met through hockey and now going to guys golf trip with, uh, he's like, Hey, how about like men's league on Thursdays at Transcona? I was like, that sounds perfect. 10 holes. Yeah. 10 holes and lots of fun and just go out there and rip it up and just to get back out there. But it was, uh, it was basically a guy's uh, bachelor party when we went to Brainerd that really kind of like, okay i can still have fun and do this pretty well and so those that's kind of what got me in here with you guys through some of the stories i told jake uh from osborne construction at a job site because, like we we're waiting to hear back on from my boss and his boss how so we we're going to do back and forth whatever and i started just telling stories that that's basically what i got me back. Like, Hey, I really want to play golf again and dust it off the sticks, change the grips and, you know, kind of play at least, I try and play at least 15 times a year. I feel like that's reasonable. So,
0: What's in the bag right now. What uh, sticks you got?
2: It's always been and forever will be Titleist.
0: Mm. Yep. Titleist guy. We've had a few Titleist, all Titleist people on the, on the show before. So we'll add another one to the list.
2: Yeah, please do. There was a. I strayed for a few years in university in Minnesota when they would just give you a whole bunch of clubs. I think we
0: all stray in university. We just got to find out who we are, right? (laughs)
2: There
0: you go. Exactly. Oh, all right. Well, uh, Mike, did you have uh, any more here? Did you want to jump into the to the back nine?
1: Nothing. uh, Nothing. Nothing more. I think we touched on most of it. Yeah. Anything else? uh, Curtie, you want to touch on before we get into our uh, back nine of questions?
2: Uh, well, there, there's a story that I told Jake that uh, it's pretty. It's it's tamer than some of the other things that I could stories I could say and then say that for a later date when we're on the golf course together or something right. and yeah. have. <laughs> <it. laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We went to at this bachelor party. We are at uh, uh Breezy Point. And we were staying on the range. The uh, cabin was on the range at uh, Deacon's, which is the Arnold Palmer Golf Course. Yes. And so I walk out in the morning after we've had ping pong and a fire and doing what guys do, drinking it up, telling lies, and uh, <laughs> not wrong, and betting each other and stuff like that. And so I kind of get up and I. Uh, it's about seven in the morning and there's twelve twelve idiots just trying to make way through the morning to get to the golf course. Because this is the one golf course you actually pay extra to play at. And uh so I, I see the guys are chipping in the in the in a range bucket, like a pro bucket that holds like a thousand balls and they're chipping from like twenty yards away. So I just walk to the fridge this might sound bad or might sound awesome, pop a Bud Light, walk out in my Calvin Klein underwear and just go like, hey, morning guys. <laughs> I'm like, hey, how's it going boys? How are you guys feeling? And sipping on this Bud Light and they're looking at me like, what is, these, these, we got to play like 36 holes. I'm like, we're fine, don't worry about it. It's just a breakfast beer. And they're tipping in the bucket. I'm like, okay, hey, 20 bucks. If I can get this in first shot, and three guys like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my like, okay. cape, put my beer down in my underwear, chip it, hits the back of the bucket, sits right in the middle. I grab my beer, I'm like, Well, cash on the tee, and I just walk back in the cabin, and then it's like, <laughs> This asshole, <laughs> like, as if we're struggling to like just make it off the tea and stuff. He comes out at seven twenty in the morning with a bud light and just chips in and then walks back in the house.
1: In his Calvin yeah. climbs. No yeah, free ads. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome.
2: That's, that's the bachelor trips that we go on. And now it's a guy's trip that hasn't happened in the last couple of years because of the, the pandemic, but we're trying to revive it. So,
0: Nice, nice. Uh, I'm adding that to the list of uh, the the golf pack on what you need to be a good golfer. So we got the kind of the shitty car, great deck, a great yeah. sound system, and uh, now Calvin Klein underwear. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, it's from Costco. That's not a good. Thing.
3: <laughs>
0: the value back,
3: <laughs> absolutely. Still <All> counts.
0: <laughs> well, before we jumped into the back nine, I wanted to run it since uh, you know just uh, how. You know well you've you've done at the at the game of golf and even picking it back up again uh, recently, for you know folks, as Mike and I were both mid mid handicappers here. Is there any advice you can give to say people like us when we go out there? Is it you know Wilkie talks about grip stance and posture. We hear um, you know other one is just kind of you know the course management side of things. It's the uh, the short game. I remember Pete Moore saying for the short puts, because that's what I really struggled with was you know just focus on one point of the ball and just keep your head down and you know, stroke it basically, uh, is there any, you know, kind of pointers or tips that you could pass along that would be beneficial to to guys like us, Mike and I,
2: uh, the one thing that I was stressed upon in my early junior days and still like fidget with to make sure it's perfect is your grip. If you can present the golf club at the right path consistently with the same grip, then stance and, you know, like horny said, balance, you know, swing within yourself, then you're never going to go too far off the radar with your golf shots. Um, but grip is first and foremost. Um, you know, if you have to get one of those old green and black grip, right, swing, right. right. Grips, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you and can find one on levels. eBay
0: or whatever right now. And I'm sure they're charging a pretty <laughs> penny for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you need to throw the reminder in the backside of the grip and help you align the golf club in the creases of your fingers. And that basically gives you the, You can figure out from there what path the swing is, and then how to manipulate what shot you produce most often. So, and then play to that strength.
0: Well, since we're recording, Mike and I will have to get on uh, on that before anyone else does, so the prices don't skyrocket. (laughs) I think I
1: I think they had some at Caddy Shed. I was in there the other day, and they
0: they had all this, everything from the nineties. They
1: had all the (laughs) the swing aids there, and like oh, it's great. Yeah, I was looking at them all. I was like, yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm going to run down there uh, first thing tomorrow and pick up one
2: of Same grips Teddy was slinging back in the dome, so <laughs> try, test, and true. All right,
0: right. on. <laughs> well, let's get into the uh, back nine lightning round, and it is for Bryce. Matt Lischewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204 515 three, four, four, six, and uh, talk to him. Maybe he'll take you out for a round at St. Charles. He still has to take Mike and I out for a round at St. Charles.
1: He still does. So Bryce, if you're listening, we, uh, we're not forgetting and uh, yeah, give him a call. And don't fax him because a bunch of people faxed him last <laughs> episode didn't and didn't work. So uh, give him a call, look him up. The links in the uh, the show notes there. And he's a he's a smart guy. So uh, thank you, Bryce.
0: Yeah, I saw him and the fam and the Endeavor Wealth team at uh, the Pride Parade. So they, you know, they're really nice here in Winnipeg and and the community. And you know, same with DQ Manitoba. You know, our sponsors in Wilkie last year just. <laughs> They really do care about the community. They care about the sports community as well. And, uh, yeah, we thank them very much for uh, coming on and helping us out with this show.
1: We certainly do. I got to guess, one of those uh, Oreo dirt pie blizzards that uh, he's been pumping, DQ Manitoba's right, been yeah. pumping.
0: I, my daughter had that the other, uh, actually Monday night after her soccer game. She went out oh. with uh, the grandparents, took them to DQ, and uh, that's what she had. <laughs>
2: You're coaching. I'm really looking forward to this cake, now, boys. You guys know, <laughs> nice just,
0: yeah, we we all kind of stopped there. We're like, I could probably <laughs> go. Let's right let's now. end this early. <laughs> yeah, You're all right. turned into
2: Homer Simpson. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then we'll uh, we'll get into it. The uh, the back nine lightning round here. Uh, just some quick questions for you. Um, so, first one: Have you ever got a hole in
2: one? I have. I have two.
1: Two. Tell one us about it.
2: One is a very prestigious club. Uh, I have a hole-in-one on a ninth hole at Pine Ridge.
0: Oh, nice. Whoa.
2: <laughs> nice. I believe I was the 17th person to do it. It was an expensive night as it was on men's league, playing with the club president. <laughs> and, of course, the <laughs> handicap was in front of me. And uh, But both hole-in-ones I've never seen go in a hole. I haven't Jesus. had the luxury of seeing it go in.
0: So. Where was the other one?
2: It was on the 10th hole at Pine Ridge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <We're> the <laughs> same round. First, then the ninth was the second
1: one. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. How old were you? Are you where, uh, was that in 2008
2: too? <laughs> yeah, that was in those couple years. So things were really banging for me there. Because, uh, I can feel like I can do no wrong. My men's league partner was so pumped right off the tee. Okay. Let's go to 10. <laughs>
1: so right on, right on the well, next one. Uh, might know, I might already know the answer to this. What is your preferred golf ball brand or model?
2: Kyos Pro probably one X.
1: Mm, the yeah. X. Right on. The X. That's I try I'm to saying. get
2: after the ball a little bit. I don't hesitate. And it's always been the golf ball. Ever since I was little, I was using Skinny's old, chopped up tour balladas. I try to find the roundest one. And I wanted to play Tyless because that's what he played and all the top amateurs. And I've always been a Titus guy. Yeah, it's always Titus.
1: Nice. Uh, and, uh, To get off topic here, Sandy Kursiba, he had posted uh, something on Facebook there about the small ball and then like today's ball, I guess they were playing the small ball back in the day. Yeah. I think there was a difference Uh,
0: whether it was American or the Aussies or the Brits were playing different size golf balls. It was something like that. Yeah.
1: And then what's educate me on what the boladas are because obviously never played them and I I don't even know if I remember seeing them.
0: Top flight Z boladas. that's what I used to play when I was a junior. They were great. Well, I
2: played balls. those when I was a junior, yeah. yeah. But uh, back in the day, a was basically a rubber core filled with liquid and then with rubber bands wrapped around it. And the amount of Taylor's bladders that I've cut open with a hacksaw just to see the elastic show in the back shop at Rossmere when I was a club cleaner. Oh, it was just, it always just make you laugh because you, you hit one stand and that thing was done. Like it wouldn't fly straight, but the, the ballada really showed before the professional, which sort of revolutionized and then there's Tour prestige and then the game changer, the pro V1. But, uh, a ballad of golf ball, you could only hit it one way if you wanted it to go straight and the distance you wanted. Because if you hit down on it too hard, so much spin, it would just climb to the roof. And if you thinned it, you had to bring a whole another dozen out of the pro shop. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I'll have to find some. Cut them open.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, now they're You just put those on the mantle. Like <laughs> one a year just to see, like, oh, shit, I'm really happy This Pro-Vs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, uh, next one. What is your fav- most favorite course to play in Manitoba?
2: Well, I'm going to have to... Yes, uh, Pine Ridge is beautiful. I have a uh, love affair with Elmhurst, but... After the first time I went to Gilbert Plains, that is a hidden gem. It's the opposite of a fishing spot you don't tell anyone about. You tell everyone. The people there are great. First time I went there, it was with uh, Horny and Teddy to play in a tournament and just be out there, and it was an absolute blast. Everyone's so nice, from kitchen staff, the members, the grounds crew, s- sitting with Cliff in the back of the mowers and stuff and sitting on a mower having a Bud Light and just – shooting the shit and everyone everyone there is great everyone's so nice i spent five five or six days straight staying with teddy and just playing golf every day before i started my new job and uh it was it was basically like you feel like you're at home and then the golf course is absolute absolute pearl it's beautiful
1: yeah yeah lots of people uh, say it's unbelievable lots of people trying to get up there me and jr have yet to play it mm-hmm. well, we're gonna take our uh, we know some people now we know some people
2: <laughs> let's go let's get the we're bus gonna, and get out there. Well, we
1: got a freezer truck full of ice cream cakes <laughs> and we're gonna make our way up there and, and everywhere else in manitoba yeah. Yeah,
0: and even china but, yeah, oh. apparently now too we're doing the tour of the east coast right the uh, yeah. all of manitoba the west coast and now china apparently <laughs> the world tour, freezer truck tour. Get ready.
1: Get ready, everyone. Well, yeah. Gilbert Plains, go check it out. Uh you got a bucket list course in Manitoba that you've never played, but you'd uh, you'd love to get out to.
2: I've been pretty fortunate to, with all the golf that I've played in the province to play pretty much everyone. Um now I'm like since I've stopped playing, I want to play like the like lesser known tracks or the little town tracks like rats and, you know, some of those other little hidden gems that get out there. I played Pine Falls Golf Course last year. Beautiful little nine-holer, you know, a couple guys uh, out at the lake early Saturday morning, get you out of bed, get some fresh air, and, you know, play some whack-a-mole with a stupid round ball you don't care about. <laughs> Just, you know, have some fun. And uh, But that was the latest little one, but uh, probably Oak Island. I've heard that one because
1: yeah,
2: I played granite. I played Buffalo points, uh, clear Lake Falcon. I've had the privilege with all the golf to play those, but Oak Island seems like a, a cool one.
1: Yeah. No, I just, uh, last weekend was at Oak Island. Uh, we played Shiloh on the way out and we did, uh, Oak Island. We were there for two or three days. We played three rounds. It was amazing. People there were amazing, uh, so shout out to them. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk a little bit more about Oak Island. Yeah. It was just, it was, uh, yeah, a hidden gem, almost like Gilbert Plains and immaculate fairways and greens and, uh, can't say enough about the, uh, the staff there and, and the course was amazing. And it was just in the, almost in the middle of nowhere, I guess it's fairly close to Brandon and bird in there, but, uh, us Winnipeg folk will have to get out there sometime. Freezer truck. Freezer truck. (laughs) Uh, Curtsy, you know, you've been probably all over North America playing some golf. Uh, What would be the most memorable course to you that you've ever played? Well,
2: um, in Canada, it would probably be, I played Shaughnessy, Credit Valley, Mississauga, uh, the oaks, but uh there's this one spot in Quebec called Beaconsfield Golf Club. And it is uh an absolute beauty. We played the Canadian Am there and uh it is just an old shot makers golf course how to work the ball around, you know, left, right, right, left. Don't oh, put it on this tier. This is the trouble tight. And uh Yeah, that was probably the most – it was actually used to take the train in when it was built, I think, in, like, 1902 or something like that. And you take the train in, and you actually had – the clubhouse had four levels. So you had your sleeping level. You had your dining, you kind of had your golf, and then you had sort of like back in the day, who knows, you know, the dance floor and you know, little speakeasy or something like that. So <laughs> nice, but it was just a beautiful course. I was so so jealous of some of the guys uh, that got to stay at the club there because that would have been just a great atmosphere to just wake up to. But that was a really I liked it so much. I bought a golf bag and brought it back with me because I needed a, a serious thing that I could tote around. Yeah. That is serious. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I just buy a, a ball marker or or, or a (laughs) tee (laughs) and you bought a, A you bought a whole bag. That's that is a, that's a statement for sure. Wow. Beacons in uh, Quebec. Uh, Beacons field. Beaconsfield. I'll we'll have to check that out. Um, so, what t- you got a bucket list course anywhere in the world? That'd probably be St Andrews,
2: where it all started. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Everyone Fair might enough. say Pebble or Pinehurst or Page or yeah. We Spine get
1: a lost. lot of uh, we get a lot of Augustas, but it's not very obtainable. Uh, we got we got a good mix. We get a lot of St. Andrews. Uh, you should go out there. It's a public course, so you you'll get a tee time. I'm sure you know a few guys that could even get you a tee time. You didn't have, and you don't even have to wait.
2: <laughs> well, the only way I'm getting to Augusta is I shave my beard and grow hair, and maybe I can pass to like a 14 year old kid. But that's the way <laughs> I'm getting to Augusta. <laughs>
0: that's a smart way to do it. <laughs> yeah, but, hey,
2: no shaving, getting to play it. A, a one putt one chip one drive i yeah, was there that's
1: right <laughs> yeah uh, uh well my next question we we kind of touched on it um do you think you would ever go back to an amateur status and and start competing in some of these events again or is yeah. that frowned is that frowned upon uh, in the in the pro world but
2: uh no, I don't think it's found upon. I think it's in uh Winnipeg, Manitoba, sort of in the golf uh, industry in the prairies. It's more welcome to come back and you know a lot of people that have played junior golf and grown up have really given back um and stuff like that. Even a lot of my friends that I played golf for giving back uh to Manitoba golf, to junior golf, um, and really helping, you know, grow the game. Uh, because it is one of the best games to learn about yourself and how to, you know, we fail like 90% of the time. So it's like, okay, I better have fun at this. And why am I doing it? But it's also the most addictive sport when you hit one right on the screws. So, but yeah, <laughs> I, would, I thought about it and it's kind of a lingering in the back of my head. Maybe, you know, go for some more over titles because I, I can still get it. Around the golf course and somewhat even par and stuff like that, so it's it still lingers. Good.
1: Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> He's back <laughs> in the game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <amazing>. Watch out.
1: <laughs> um,
2: that's
0: great. Stop putting in
2: piles and dedicate my game again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jake will be pissed, but that's all right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, he'll be. Oh, uh, then I can't quit, right? It's job uh, security. They always build that great tax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> great decks by Osborne Construction. Yes, some pretty, uh, some pretty nice stuff they do there.
2: By the way, of and Piling, those are Boston Piling piles going in the ground too. Shout out to them. Is that what, what was the name of the company? Glosson uh, Piling. Glosson. Gloss. Yeah, your premier stop for he piles
0: and golf stories.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'll hold court for 15 <laughs> or 20 minutes on every job site. Actually, uh, last, uh, just earlier, the last last week, uh, I met uh, Zach Thompson, who I played uh, golf with. And he was in Tuxedo Aero and I was putting piles in his backyard and struck up a conversation. I was like, Holy shit, like, hasn't, he hasn't touched the club in 10 years and he just crossed paths with all these. <laughs> great people that you grow up in the city with and you know i go to all these job sites and i saw pine ridge member and you know mattis house putting in piles for sunroom and you just uh-huh. meet so many interesting people and that's why you kind of gotta love the winnipeg and manitoba golf community
1: nice Nice, yeah. When I made a deck, I just put uh, DQ Stack Burgers <laughs> underneath it, and uh,
2: that's held up so far. Yeah, so we'll it does not post in pad.
0: It's posting Patty. <laughs> oh, wow. We got we got mild jokes for now. <laughs> that might Post take some maybe the, the best worst joke that we've had on the pod <laughs> yes. or was, you know, That is uh, good. 40 some episodes or something. <laughs> that is good. And uh I'm putting the title over the shoulder right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we got the amateurs.
1: Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll that's get you a belt. What I want. Speaking of uh Patty's curtsy, what's your favorite condiment?
2: Uh, it has to be Cholula hot sauce.
0: Nice. Ooh, off the board. I Well, I guess someone. May, I think Levy maybe. I don't think it, uh, so. Sauce, but I don't think so. I think yeah. That's the first not one. Not Cholula. Yeah. Not. No, well, not uh, that brand. Yeah.
2: But yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. I. I, oh, I, I, I just the original though. None of the other they, ones. It's just. They got the uh, That's the one
3: with
1: the eggs. wooden wooden cap, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So is that regularly stocked in your fridge, or it's a must-have? Or do you even Well, as a bachelor,
2: I have a lot of sauces in my fridge. So <laughs> that's basically what my fridge consists of at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <This sauce. laughs> uh, Too good. Awesome. That is awesome. I uh, <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, and that was the back nine uh, lightning round for Bryce Maliszewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204 515 3446. Uh, we also mentioned the Stack Burgers, and you're going to get yourself an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can check them out. DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, and the newly renovated DQ St. Anne's Road. Follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Curtsey, this was awesome. We really appreciate you Absolutely. taking the time and uh, coming on. Again, another shout-out to Jake Osborne and Osborne Construction for uh, kind of poking you along, as well as uh, Teddy Watowich here for I mean, it seemed like he was texting us every day to say, you should get this guy on. <laughs> He's like, That's good caddy. on on No
2: dirty grooves in that golf bag. He's going to be on you. But it was a blast, guys. I had so much fun. And uh, I'll continue to make sure I'm subscribing and listening to the next ones as it's a lot of fun listening to you. And it's a nice little break on the morning to have some laughs on the way to work. So
0: a good mental Thank health you. break
2: oh yeah and From ending- the stress of uh, what am i gonna hit water and sewer i'm gonna hit hydro line he shot 16 in air so my excavator get me on the side of me you know stuff like that
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a positive and you also have the crown of uh- of the title there of the, the best worst joke on the pod. So appreciate yes, right yeah. it. Sitting, <laughs>
3: sitting
2: on my shoulder, with the
0: title belt. All right. Well, it was a, it was a blast again. Thanks so much. Uh, and have yourself a, a wonderful night and uh, we'll chat with you next time. Bye-bye.
2: And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot.
1: JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo brain freeze it hits you like a triple bogey the good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite so get over to any nick and nicky's group of dqs and enjoy some dq treats safely dq northgate on mcphillips dq Pole park in the food court dq Niverville, and dq st anne's road go see them today for tasty treats